God is good. All the time. Do you say that in common, Coley? The response is um, to all is all the time is God is good, and that's His nature. Wow. Um, and so, um, as Pastor said, I'm Lindsay Nightingale. I had the opportunity to go to Uganda for four months this year. Um, it was a gift to be able to go and experience just um, some amazing, amazing things with God. Uh, this picture up here, one of the best parts about Uganda is that we had kids come to our compound every day. Um, it could be at any time of the day. It could be morning, could be evening. Um, and so these boys had come over just to visit and I'd taken out the map for part of our conversation and Bukuli, who's the one on the right, was like, we should take some photos. So that's what that photo is about. Um, Uganda is in East Africa. Uh, it's on the equator. It borders Kenya. South Sudan is to its south. And it's called the Pearl of Africa. It is I mean, if you think what paradise is, it kind of meets all of the boxes for paradise. It's warm, and there are palm trees there. The land is super fertile, and so they grow crops all the time throughout the year. Um, and it's a place of beauty, and pe the people there are so warm and welcoming, and hospitality is highly valued. If you go to somebody's house, they it doesn't matter what their socioeconomic level is, they will find chairs and give them to you and they will give you a gift no matter where they are on the need scale you will be leaving with a gift like a chicken or beans for example um so yeah the culture of uganda prizes relationships and community over uh, in america we definitely value our privacy and our independence um more so and so that's an interesting difference um it's also, though, a place of poverty as well, and so it's kind of it's jarring a bit sometimes. You'll see beautiful landscapes and then some really intense poverty as well. Okay, um, before I get too into my story, I just wanted to share a lesson that God has been teaching me through the years, and that's just the importance of learning the context that you're going into. Um, when you see poverty, it's really easy to have an emotional response to that, and... Um, it's important to learn your context before just jumping in with what you think are good intentions. And so um, the picture on the left is from my first trip to Uganda in 2018. I'm mingling posho, which is a staple food item in Uganda. It's corn flour mixed with water and then mixed and then cooked over the fire until it turns into thick paste. And that is what is eaten every day. Um, it's not very nutritious and it's not very tasty, but it fills you up and it's cheap. So that's why it's a main meal. And the picture on the right just kind of shows you a general idea of how big the vats are of food. Um, that one's filled with bananas, obviously. Um, so the school that I was at, they cook over the fires every day for the meals for the students. And so this is where my example of learning your context, it's important, comes in. There were some wealthy donors in America who learned about that, and they um, thought, well, it would be great if we could bless the school with an oven, because an oven is a step up from fires. So they, they sent over enough money to buy this humongous oven, and the oven sits unused in the dining hall because it runs on propane, and the way that beans and rice I mean, beans and rice when it is there and posho are cooked in Uganda take a long amount of time and a lot of fuel. 
And so it's just not sustainable to be using a propane oven. Um, the vats are so heavy that it's not really feasible for somebody to lift a full vat up onto an oven. And the heat that would be generated would make it insufferable. And so I share that as an example of there was an American who thought, oh, ovens are great, we'll, do, we'll give this as a blessing, but if they had taken the time to learn the context, perhaps that money could have been used in a better way. So when I show you videos and pictures, I just want you to be aware that sometimes there's contextual clues there that we, are, we haven't thought through yet. Um, okay, so I was in Kamankoli, which is a village. The life in Kamankoli is a very rural lifestyle. Many of the children that I got to teach do not have electricity or running water at home. So there are, there are a number of local boreholes where people will go every day and fill up jerry cans, which are these large yellow cans um, that get filled up with water. Um, it's an agricultural community and uh, the population as of 2018 was 25,000. And the school that I was at is a Christian school called Genesis Primary and Nursery School. Uganda was colonized by Great Britain for many years, and so some of British culture is still present in Ugandan culture, and that's reflected in the way that schools are run. So it's a primary school with P1 through P7, which is first through seventh grade, and then there's also a nursery school, which is preschool. And so when I went, I was able to visit Heinz Ugandan Ministry, which was started by Catherine Heinz. She's all the way on the left. She was called by God to go to Uganda in the 90s, so she went by herself over there, and then has been serving God since then, and has developed quite a ministry. The next picture from hers is one of Pastor Charles and his wife, Judith. He's one of the pastors of the local churches. He's also the director of the Christian school. Um, the next photo after that is Kristen. Kristen runs the sponsorship program. She runs the Sunday school um, at the local church, and she's also very involved in Awana. And then the last picture is Laura. She's the American teacher who's been there for five years that I, was, I spent the most amount of time with. So I have a video, and I wanted you to know who the important people were before I showed the video. Uh, the video I'm about to show was made a couple years ago when they were celebrating the 20th anniversary of Heinz Ugandan Ministries. And in the video, you'll get to see a little bit of what church is like. Um, you'll get to see what Sunday school is like a little bit, and you'll see some Awana games going on. And you'll get to hear Catherine's heart uh, for her ministry. When God first spoke to my heart about the children in Uganda, he showed me how much these children needed hope, how much they needed love and care, how much they needed him in their lives. Getting down to pray, I would just cry and say, but Lord, how can I help them? I'm only 15, I'm still in high school. I can't just pack up and go. I don't even know where it is. So how do I... How do I do this? In Uganda, I see every day families struggle to take children to school, to take children to medical facilities, to see that these children achieve something in life. But it is hard because of the environment or because of the way Uganda is. It's a poor country parents struggle. Not everyone goes to school and not everyone has income 
to send their children to school. In all the districts we go to in the country, people are suffering to take their children to school. From the time that God put the vision in my heart at 15, it took over 20 years to get me here to Uganda. And I knew that I needed help because there was no way I was gonna be able to do this ministry by myself. When I first came, I stayed with a family in which Kristen was a part of. And she also had a heart for these children and also brought Pastor Charles and others that had the same visions in their hearts and they became a big part of this ministry. I bought the vision that she had to help the children in the village, to see them grow, to see them get the help that they needed. So I decided to work alongside Catherine to see this vision come to pass. We had nine children in the very beginning that we started with in sponsorship. When our sponsorship program grew, we still had to find a way of feeding these children because they would leave their homes, go to these schools hungry. Having to send children very far away to different schools and also having our children not have lunch at school, having our children fail every year and they repeat the same classes and not get anything out of these schools we're sending them in the village. We felt the need to have our own Nasaran Primary School that would be able to educate them, that would be able to have them five days a week and they have more impact with them while they are with us. That's when Genesis Nasaran Primary School was born. With this school, it's about an individual, about a child. Is this child doing well before they go on to a different school? more than just sending them to school or clothing them or feeding them. It's about teaching them to fish. It's about raising them up in the way that you would want them to go in the way of the Lord. Our vision is to see these children grow up as Christian leaders. They can make a difference to their country and community, to the glory of God, and we are seeing that. That's why I really want to see other people coming in and helping these children go to school, get to be skinny, get medical help and achieve something in their lives and also end the circle of poverty in their families. Because now they can go back into the community and serve their community and also be able to help their families and also be able to help their children not to have the same problem that they had before. The community will benefit from them because they will always say that that's our son. Just like Heinz will be saying that's our child. That's the investment that we give to these children and we want to see them prosper. And their lives are totally changed and will be forever. And they are changing other people's lives. It doesn't stop there. They are reaching out to others. There's no greater joy than seeing the children's lives change. It's such a blessing. I never knew that giving up what I had on that side of the world, which to me is nothing now, and coming this way was going to be such a blessing. Okay, so um, Heinz Ugandan Ministries involves the school, 
Um, there are no free schools in Uganda. Uh, you will have to pay school fees, which is why many, that's usually the, the stumbling block why children are not able to go to school because they, the families can't afford the school fees. And so Heinz is providing a, a good quality school and then also has a sponsorship program to match children in need with donors um, in the states to help pay those school fees. In addition to paying school fees, there's also food that will be given to families at select times throughout the year. Um, a mattress will be given. Um, school uniforms will be given and free access to medical care for the children that are sponsored. Um, in addition to that, Heinz also runs an Awana program on Saturday mornings and a feeding program, which I'll talk more about in a little bit. They have a medical clinic right on campus with the school, and so that's for sponsored kids, but also anyone from the village can, can pay to go to the, the clinic as well. Catherine's home is technically a children's home, so she's been fostering kids since she moved over there in the 90s. She's had over 30 kids go, grow up through her household. When I was there, she had 14 children living with her under the age of 18, and then some house moms, and then there were also like secondary students that were coming back during breaks, and so lots of, lots of people. And then also the Sunday school is, is another part that um, Kristen and Catherine will run. Sunday school is kind of equivalent to our children's church. Um, so there'll be a little bit of worship and then during the sermon the children will go meet in a building and that's anyone who is a child. So like three years old to, to under 18, there's about 200 kids that will pack into one room and have one Sunday school lesson together. Um, I wanted to show one more video. This is a video about Grace. She was one of my students in P1, first grade. And so uh, I wanted you to show this video just so you could see what the ministry, how it can personally impact one child. Before I came to him, I was really sick. I couldn't pray with my friends. I didn't have any hope. I almost died. We saw Grace in a critical condition. She was almost dying. She was malnourished, so skinny, and the, the skin was almost going off. Grace's mother had died, and the father, knowing that Grace's mother had died of HIV, and Grace had HIV, neglected Grace like nothing, hated Grace, left her to stay outside every day, even up to like nine o'clock. We helped her to send her to hospital. After a few weeks, we saw a, a difference, a very big difference in Grace. She started walking slowly. Grace was brought to Genesis and started school after she was able to walk from home and come in here. Everything changed for Grace. She was not the other Grace. She was now a new Grace. Finding Grace and helping Grace and seeing Grace smile today makes me want to help more and see more children like that every day. That smile, a change in a child's life, it's worth it. That's the story of Grace now. 
She's part of the community. She's part of Heinz. No one knows Grace is sick and Grace doesn't think about herself like she's dying. She has an opportunity to live. is true as her teacher I did not know that about Grace until actually I came back and found that video um, because they do a great job of not labeling kids based on on their circumstances um, kids are, are treated like you know they're humans like with personalities and not defined by um, their circumstances that they're going through um, so when I was in Uganda, I came at the end of the second term. During that time, I was just observing, trying to take in what teaching looks like in Uganda and helping to grade papers. Then there was about a month that the students were on holiday, and during that time, I tutored with the children's home kids, about eight of them. And so that's some of them. They have prayers um, and like a devotional time every night from 7 to 8 and then dinners at 8 p.m. and so that's why everyone's in their jammies. Um, so those are just some of the kids that I went over and worked with um, and that was a really beneficial time because it really helped me to better fine-tune. I had brought Abeka reading materials and so it helped me fine-tune like okay what's working and what do I need to change so that it can better be understood by Ugandan English. Um, then the third term, I went to school every day, and I taught phonics and reading small group instructions. The, te the teachers identified which students needed extra help, and then I'd pull them out of class and work with them. And I'd also push in and teach science lessons, uh, different, different grades for different amounts of time during the week. And then outside of school, we had kids come over all the time, so lots of games of UNO, and I also got involved with the WANA programs and Sunday school. Okay, so AWANA, if Mr. Mansfield could please switch. There's a, a little reel so you can see what AWANA looks like. I think it's the first one. Yeah, okay. This is what AWANA looks like for council time. So you can see about like what 800 children in one room looks like. So yeah, that's Oana. You have kids on the floor, like all the way up to the front of the room, kids like outside the door sometimes. Um, and I got to speak once <laughs> in front of the Oana group and that was an exciting experience. They start off with singing and then there's a council time and then they'll split. Younger kids will go play games while older kids are in the classes learning their Bible verses and then they'll switch and then end. And after that is the feeding program. So if we could go to the second tab, you can see what feeding program looks like. So this is just sped up, but you can just get the idea of what 800 children going through a line and getting food looks like. Um, usually they have like the older high school boys help plate the food, Kristen will be there helping as well, and so they'll plate as much food as they can before the kids start to come pick them up, and then it's just, you know, go, go, go. Okay, thank you. If we could go back to the slides. This is Sam, he's pouring beans and helping prep plates. You can see um, 
That's posho and beans with bananas. That's what they have every other week. The other week is rice with beans, which is a lot more popular. So rice weeks are heavy weeks. Um, so that's what Awana is like. And here's another picture of just the line of children waiting for their food. Um, so I just wanted to share a couple of lessons that God taught me while I was in Uganda. And the first would be that his timing is perfect. Um, in 2014, when I was in college, a family friend randomly gave me this book, Kisses from Katie, which is the story, ooh, sorry, which is the story of Katie Majors, um, also known as Katie Davis. Uh, she, right out of high school, went over to Uganda, and she also ended up fostering a number of children as well. And so reading about her story and her relationship with Jesus was really what was um, the most life-changing for me, was to read how much she loves Jesus. And I wanted that depth of, in my own personal walk with the Lord. And so I also, like a dream that maybe one day I would get to go to Uganda was born as well in 2014. But then I like, when I graduated college, I ended up getting called to Memphis, not Africa. But then I ended up getting, it's, it's so small, I'm sorry, but this, this middle girl, there's so I'm on top, then there's Michael in the middle and then Chloe on the bottom. Michael is the roommate that God blessed me with when I was in Memphis and she happened to have contacts in Uganda. And so in 2018, she said, I'm going to Uganda, do you wanna come with me? And I said, yes. And so um, that was just really incredible and confirmed that I wanted to return at some point. And then there were a lot of false starts between 2018 and 2022. Um, in 2020, I made contact with Heinz, bought a ticket, got a visa, was ready to go at the end of the school year when my commitment was done. And then the pandemic happened, so that got canceled. Then 2021, I also got a ticket and a visa and was ready to go, and Ugandan schools shut down again. They didn't reopen until January, which is the beginning of their school year, of this year. So they, they lost quite a bit of schooling. Um, and during those false starts and stops, it was easy to start to question, like, is this really God who's calling me? Is it just that I read some book and, and being foolish? And once I finally got to Uganda this year, it was really incredible to look back and see how every single step like, was, was ordained by God. I needed to be here last year so that I could learn Abeka material so that I could use that then and teach children who needed individualized learning instruction that was high quality to get them back on level. And I needed, there were other things too that I could look back and see, oh, God really was preparing me. Like every moment was ordained and nothing is wasted. Um, and even this year, being in Uganda, there was an Ebola outbreak. And while I was in Uganda, the kids were like, when I was, time was getting closer that I was going to leave. And they're like, why, why can't you stay? Why can't you stay till Christmas? Why can't you stay till the end of the term? And I was like, I'm sorry, this is what I had to do. And then like the week before I went home, the president of Uganda, President Museveni, closed down schools three weeks early. So I actually did end up being there the very last day that I was at school was their last instructional day. And so it was just incredible how like I could see God literally open the door and then he literally closed it. Um, and so his timing is perfect. Um, this is just a picture of what taxis look like in Uganda. Um, and like all sorts of crazy things can be brought, including live geese on the top of your your taxi and so I just love that that like a gift from God and like God is good will be like spread on on taxis so just that's why that's there 
Okay, another lesson that God just taught and echoed back to me over and over again is how good he is in providing. Um, I was blown away by how much you all prayed for me and supported me, and I'm so thankful for that. Every email, every text meant so much to me. Um, and what was really cool was when you shared what you were specifically praying for for me, because then I could receive that and look and see what God had done. And so my main love language is physical touch and closeness. And Paige shared with me halfway through my time, she's like, I've been praying that you'll get plenty of hugs. And when she said that, we were like, Murphy, Murphy is the answer to that prayer request. This is Murphy. And then Blue is in the back. These are Laura's dogs. And since we shared the same compound, the dogs were over at my place a lot. And Murphy is just super affectionate. He will come and like, sit at the couch when you're on it and like put his head up and and not leave you alone until you give him affection or he'll put his big head in your lap and so it was just crazy to see like murphy was an answer to prayer like god sent me a super friendly dog that like i didn't have to worry about language <laughs> language issues and wasn't going to ask me for anything i could come home he was happy to see me and so little things like murphy was were cool bigger prayers like protection from ebola i know you were praying for that and god protected me and the village um it was just really amazing to see how god provides um these are, except for Rayana, Rayana's in P6, but the rest of them are in P7, and I had asked for a prayer because every year they sit for that big exam um, in November, and that exam, how they do, determines what secondary schools they'll be let into, and that determines their careers and their futures. And you all prayed for them, and it was so neat to see how God, like, how the community came together and prayed for them, how God helped them through that test. We celebrated it before I left that they had taken their test. And um, they'll get the results in January because it's, it's being graded by hand and it's the whole country. So, um, But we're looking forward to seeing how they did on that. Um, so definitely the best part about being in Uganda is working with the kids. There were some unique challenges with working with the kids, though one of them is that um, kids are put in grades based on their ability, not on their age. And so both of these students, Kagwa and Sumba, are both in fourth grade. And this picture kind of just shows you like when you walk into a fourth grade classroom, you're gonna have a lot of different levels that you need to reach. Or when I was teaching Sunday school, I have you know 200 kids between the ages of four and 16. Like how do I reach all of them? And it was so neat to see how God provided curriculum and lesson plan ideas to, to reach the kids as best as I could. Um, it was neat to see how God provided exactly what I needed. Um, just really neat. Here's what some of the classes look like. This is my fourth grade class. There were 46 students in that class. Um, this is the first grade class. There were about 40 kids in that class as well. And then my biggest class was third grade, which has 52 students in it. And so. Um, before going over, when I saw videos of what it was like in the classrooms, you can see there's tons of children. You're very close together. It's not air conditioned. Um, it's, it's full of interesting obstacles to maneuver. But God was so faithful in, in helping me to connect with the kids and um, helping to make sure that our time was, was profitable. Um, I also was able to bring a bunch of Abeka things over with me and then we were able to try to use them as best as we could. So sometimes we shared materials. This is my third grade group one. We're sharing one reader and we made it work. 
was good. Um, this one, this is Famba and Nizuri. They have taken my alphabet letters that I had up on my wall in for LCA just as like a, a you know, decoration ABC. I had taken them on a whim and we turned them into whiteboards. And so they're doing their dictation right there and marking their vowels. Um, and then I'm working with a bunch of Ugandan teachers was really great as well to see how they're creative with very minimal sources. So we did a lot of creating our own resources as we went. And again, God was faithful to provide just what I needed when I needed it. Um, my last thing is loving thy neighbor. So um, Katie had posted, actually while I was in Uganda, she posted it on um, Instagram, and I just wanted to read this to you because it perfectly captures like my one of my biggest takeaways from my time in Uganda. Um, Katie writes, what do I miss about Uganda? I wouldn't hesitate for a second if you asked me. It's the people I miss. Not just our people, the ones that we knew and loved for years, but all people. People coming in and out of our gates to say hello. People walking and running and skipping down the road. People chatting and laughing in gro the grocery store. All day, every day, my days were full of connection with people I knew and people I didn't, with people who are lifelong friends and people I was just getting to know. In being here, because she's in America right now, I'm so burdened for the loneliness of American culture. Granted, part of it comes from the lifestyle. In Uganda, we lived in a tiny little town, and here in the States, we live in a much larger city, farther removed from our neighbors. But life is set up in such a way that we can go whole days, even a whole week, without really connecting with anyone other than maybe our families. And the connection we do have is usually over a screen. We get in our cars alone, we walk through the grocery stores and sit in waiting rooms with ear pods and screens in our faces. We order whatever we need to be dropped off at our doorstep, usually without so much as a hello. And I think it's killing us. We need people, we need our people. The ones that we've known forever, who know the ins and outs of our hearts, and the ones that we don't know yet, but that might just need a smile or a word of encouragement. We need connection, even with a grocery checkout lady and the pizza delivery guy. And um, I was just overwhelmed by the love that I was shown by the people of Uganda. And that's something that I want to make sure that I'm um, emulating in my own life. Um, so yeah, the love showed up in dozens of ways. It was kids coming over to greet me every morning, ask me how I was. This is Jemima, who's playing peekaboo under our table, just saying hi. Um, it was Beatrice, who is a house mom, who would come over and just check that I had enough food or sometimes cook for me. <laughs> like She'd just be like, I'm coming over, I'm cooking for you. I was like, okay, Beatrice. Um, it was dozens of like little notes reminding me that I was loved and that God loves me. And these are things that I feel like we can do here and, and they're so, such small things, but they make such a big difference. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this all shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And that's, that's kind of what my biggest takeaway was from my time in Uganda. Um, steps forward. I don't know what the steps forward are. Um, for sure, my heart was captured by the children of Kamankoli. Um, however, there were a few things that happened that made me think that perhaps I won't be returning to this specific ministry, but I don't know. I'm just praying and seeking God's guidance. And as a last thought, I just wanted to end with the way that they always end prayer in Common Coley, which is, Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forever. Amen.